Hi, I'm Father Daniel Duplantis, a Catholic priest, martial artist, and host of the Karate Priest Podcast. Have you ever wondered what the Church teaches about different topics? Are you a martial arts enthusiast or just someone who wants to learn more about martial arts? I'd like to invite you to join me and many guests on my podcast as we cover topics of faith, everyday living, and martial arts on the Karate Priest Podcast. everybody. Welcome back to A Catholic's Perspective, the podcast all about being a young Catholic surviving in a secular world. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Daniel from Tradcat Men. He runs the Instagram page. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks for having me on, Amber. It's really awesome to be on here. Yeah, of course. Um, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners for those who don't know you? My name is Daniel. I run Traditional Catholic Men or Tradcat Men for short, on Instagram. I am also one of the co-founders of the Men's Rosary Mark down in Southern California, and that's pretty much my forte. That's really awesome. I didn't know about the Rosary March. Is that something that just started, or is that a, a been in the making for a while? It's, we're almost coming up on three years of running it. I don't take credit for all the Rosary Marches happening around the world, because I think that it's it's due to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in terms of locality wise, I would say that we're the first prominent ones in the country that people have taken notice and in some ways have emulated in other states. But it's it's been something that's been going on for coming up on three years. That's so cool. Wow. What an accomplishment. That's awesome. When did you start your Instagram? I actually started Trad Cat Men back in 2019. So that was when I was going through an, a major reversion in my life. And I had recently made the switch over to the traditional Latin math that year. And the, the major thing that I noticed was that at my traditional Latin math and overall with a lot of other Latin math parishes that I have been going to, it's very balanced. Like, like there's a very masculine environment and a very feminine environment altogether. But the one thing that I noticed that I didn't see at at parishes that I grew up in or parishes that I've been to on the Novus Ordo side, no hate against them, it was that there were men that were very much masculine leaders in what they did, whether it's the priest or the husband or just the layman. And I remembered at that time, I was looking through social media, specifically on Instagram, and there was a lot of femininity, veiling, modesty pages for women. And I was thinking, that's awesome. Where's the page for men? And again, no hate against any of the pages that I had mentioned. They every so often dabbled in, oh, men, this is what you should do to be a masculine man. And there's a difference between morality and capability. So a lot of these feminine pages have the morality to say it, but when it comes to the capability, it has to be a man. And I was thinking, where's the men's page? And I was asking myself that question one day in holy hour. And there's suddenly this thought that came up. It was along the lines of, why don't you create it? And I was thinking, no, I'm not, I'm not one of those social media influencers. I, I still have a lot to work on in my life and I don't think I'm worthy, but every time that I was pushing back, there was this sense of peace in which, in which it went along the lines of, hey, if you do it, everything will be taken care of. Don't worry. You don't have to do all those things that you're pushing back against and you just be the best version that you could ever be of yourself as a man. So then on the feast day of St. George, after holy hour, I just created Trap Cat Men. And by the end of the first week, I had over a thousand followers and it kept climbing. Wow, that's fantastic. That story also reminds me of how I kind of started too. I think that's how, yeah. you know, the authentic, uh, uh, I guess, social media Catholic influencers kind of start where we're like, we're looking for something, we can't find it. So we want to become that for other people. And then- yeah we have this like tug on our heart, but we're like, you want to be an influencer. You know, that's a lot of work. It's not yeah. really my forte. 
And then God is just like, nope, you're going to do it. And then you do it and, yeah. and it actually ends up helping a ton of people. And so that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for starting that page. I think it'll really help, you know, men, especially those who don't have a great role model today. Uh, there really aren't that many, I guess, pages or people to look up to uh, today to actually know what it's like to have authentic masculinity. So I think, I think that's going to be very helpful. Um, so our topic today is basically what Catholic men look for in Catholic women. And I kind of wanted to just kickstart this off right away and just dive into what are some green flags when you're looking for a Catholic woman? From a from a man's perspective, and keep in mind that this is also applicable to men if the situation was reversed around, is huge green flags for sure would be, okay, practicing Catholic, um, has a feminine side so cooking cleaning you know being submissive and also very very much supportive in addition to a big one here is also being good kids because you see any of those big three ones it's a good indication that okay she's good to go when it comes to wiping material and i wouldn't have any qualms approaching a lady that exudes all three of those major traits Right. And I think it's interesting, especially nowadays when, you know, the toxic feminist movement has such a grasp on women and the amount of like disgust that certain women have towards children just astonishes me. Like, how could oh, yeah. you hate children? I, I mean, I get that sometimes they can be loud and noisy and things, and maybe you don't necessarily, you know, I guess there's some women that had like poor upbringings and things. And so like having a child is like, not ideal for them what they want they'd rather just stay single but i mean but usually those women don't hate children i'm talking about the women who actually hate them and it's oh, yeah. crazy how many there actually are and i'm just like you realize that these are just little beings like they're not mm -hmm. aware yet you know they're not little adults they're they're kids um yeah. that's so crazy yeah but i guess to piggyback off that one what are some immediate red flags in a woman it would be the polar opposite of what I just said. So if you're not a practicing Catholic or you, you say things such as I'm Catholic, but insert something that defies church teaching. If a lady openly says things such as I hate cooking, I hate cleaning, I hate children, that's definitely an immediate red flag. And one thing that I also noticed on social media, and I'm sure you notice it too, is that there's definitely women out there that have no problem emasculating their significant other or husband, depending on their status in life. And that would be an indication for me that, okay, if you have no problem emasculating your significant other, it means that it's probably hell on earth for the other guy that is in that relationship. So I would avoid them at all costs. Another one that I've experienced here and there is if a lady has a habit of playing hot and cold just for the hell of it on top of, okay, if let's just say you, you're talking and you arrange for a date and he proceeds to, you know, like stood the guy up, then that's a huge red flag right there. It doesn't mean that it's a deal breaker if, if there's certain aspects that come out, but the lady is showing that he wants to improve on that but it's a definite avoid at all cost if they're defiant about it and they show little to no change whatsoever. Yeah, I remember being in a, what you said about women demasculating the men. I was a part of a lot of groups growing up. Uh, I was homeschooled. And so growing yeah. up, I was a part of groups and there were a bunch of like stay at home moms. We had like four or five different groups. We kind of jumped jumped around but mm -hmm. a common theme in almost all of them was that the stay-at-home moms the women would just bash their husbands just like mm -hmm. just like oh he doesn't do this and he can't do that and he's stupid and da, da 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 and I remember that growing up and my mom never bought into that she in fact would tell people off because of it and they're like well you know, she would tell them like, you're lucky to even be here right now. Otherwise you would be working a nine to five if your husband wasn't working so hard, you know, because these women, they would be able to go out with their girlfriends and have tea and go on, you know, fun dates, play dates and stuff with their kids and things while their husbands are slaving away at work, trying to, you know, make ends meet so that the women can do that. Um, and unfortunately nowadays, a lot of men don't want to do that because 
at least in my experience, that um, a lot of men who aren't traditional Catholics, they want the woman to work because of the fact they don't want her to just be at home doing nothing all day. And I think it comes down to, well, why would you marry somebody who's lazy? You know, that's the thing. If a woman is truly a homemaker, if she's truly somebody worth marrying, she will take care of your home. She will make a house a home. She will make food into meals. And um, why would you marry somebody who doesn't do that? I mean, we all have off days. She's going to be sick. She's going to have off days. But for the most part, um, why would you marry somebody who's not willing to put in the same amount of effort at home as you are willing to put in at work? And so we always kind of had that um, understanding that the the woman at home was very important, but the husband being able to protect and provide for the family was also very important. And same thing for women. Like, why would you marry a man who's lazy, you know, who doesn't want to protect and provide it, you know, for you. And that's always just something I've thought about. I'm like, we have a choice in who we marry and who we date. Why would we make a poor choice in that? You know, cause it, it, we, it's not fair to our children right. uh, to marry somebody like that, you know? So it, it's just very yep. interesting to me. Um, but I guess getting back on topic, um, how much do looks play a role in dating and, and finding a significant other? I, I would say that your mileage may vary at the end of the day, because I've seen guys that are total handsome studs be with a woman that when you look at her, she's, she wouldn't catch her attention. And I've definitely seen women that look like a model straight out of EV magazine go after a guy that is on the frumpy side of things. So it, it really boils down to personal preference when it comes to a guy. Like for me, I certainly would look for a woman that takes care of herself and is very feminine and, and takes care of herself, essentially. I, I wouldn't go after a woman that does not care about her appearance, doesn't like put forth any sort of sort of effort to put on makeup or like dress feminine whatsoever but it's one of those things where your mileage may vary at the end of the day right I think it's also huge because I always thought about it there's this I don't know if it's really a saying but people tend to say that if you don't automatically like somebody you might grow to like them like off the bat mm -hmm. like if you don't like them automatically because of how they look because we're visual creatures you know yeah we're attracted to people automatically by the way they look at first um but then as time goes on the way that they look can either be tainted by their personality or it can be made better by their personality um Absolutely. like growing up i had tons of friends and many of them grew up to be very good looking but their personalities were very douchey and, and like college oh, yeah. frat boy ish. And I was like, this is not it. <laughs> it's not. Mm -hmm. the they were very attractive and they got a lot of women because of the fact that they looked attractive. But then the more they started dating them after a little while, most of those relationships didn't last longer than a month or two due to the fact that their personalities were really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then some other friends I had who were more quiet, kind of reserved, didn't really look attractive, wouldn't really claim the room or anything like that. But if you got them on one on one and you started talking to them, they could make you laugh. They could you, you, they could really brighten up your day. And um, it really just depended on their personality. I mean, there's yeah. definitely looks are important because attraction's important, important um, in marriage and just in general. I think we should be attracted to our spouse. But I feel like that attraction can grow the more you get to know somebody because personality really does play a huge role in that. And um, yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's interesting how it works because some people off the bat will be like, I have a type. And then they go for the opposite of their type. And it's oh yeah, so funny. I love that. Um, mm -hmm. what are some base like some baseline requirements that women should have in your opinion? Like obviously we went over practicing Catholic, but what about like having jobs, being good with kids, knowing how to cook? Like, are those baseline requirements or are those actual requirements? It should be a baseline requirement. And it has to be said because there's a lot of and this goes for men too, is that they'll say, Well, I want to have a baseline on, for example, 
like a woman that has task and purpose, not necessarily a job, but has meaning in her life and has like the skill sets ready to go. But on the flip side of things is that what is the individual that's saying, oh, I want this baseline doing to have a baseline themselves? So I think that it is absolutely essential, at least for a lady, to have that baseline of, okay, feminine, cooking, cleaning, good with children, is very devout in her faith. That should be the baseline instead of, oh, I will improve if I do get into a relationship. The time to do all of that isn't right after you get into a relationship, but you should establish it beforehand. Because again, if you don't do that, and this goes for a guy and girl, then you're essentially just a walking red flag at the end of the day. Right. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people will say, oh, well, I'll do that when I get into a relationship or, oh, Mm -hmm. it'll get better once we're married. It's like, no, it's not how it works. Once you get into a relationship, more, more likely those issues, those, those things that you lack, um, that you're lacking in will become more magnified because Mm -hmm. if you can't cook, like I'm not a great cook, but at the same time I can cook, you know, like I know the skills. Um, I know some things it's just basics. You know, you don't have to be Gordon Ramsay. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a, you know, Rachel Ray or anybody, but knowing the basics of learning how to cook and clean and properly bake and, and fold laundry and stuff like that, you know, that is just a core skill that we should have in general as humans to fend for ourselves. You know, it shouldn't be like, oh, I'll learn that when I get in a relationship because I won't use these skills outside of a relationship. It's like, no, you still need to use those skills for yourself. Otherwise, how are you going to survive? The amount of people that I know, men and women, who Mm -hmm. didn't even know how to do a load of laundry was astonishing to me. Where, I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I always helped out with chores and stuff. Did I do them like halfway? Yes, because I was a child, but I still learned, you know? And um, it's interesting to see how parents aren't requiring their children to do chores these days. And now the kids that are coming out of those families don't know how to fend for themselves, don't know how to. Um, you know, they're not prepared for the real world. They they basically have to do everything through trial and error. It's just, it's very interesting. Um, and so I guess that kind of brings us into our next question is stay at home mom versus women working outside the home. What is your perspective on that? My perspective, and it's going to sound a little ambiguous, is if you can make it work, then make it work. Like, At my traditional Latin mass parish, there's plenty of stay-at-home moms, and it's amazing how when you hear about, I'd say about 40% of them previously had a job title. Like I knew uh, a wonderful lady who was about to become a partner at an accounting firm, and she decided to ultimately sacrifice it to raise seven kids, I think. And then there's plenty that after they got married, they immediately took on the stay-at-home mom role. And then there's others that they were still working in some ways, but they made it, they made every effort to raise their children. So for example, at in my household, so my mom, she still works, but it was always guaranteed that she would took, like, she took us to appointments, we made sure that we were taken care of, and we made her to be a fully present mother, and we never really let her career get in the way. And the only reason why that was able to work out was because she worked at home. So there's plenty of like feminine Catholic influencers that I've come across where they have like a side hustle while they're still raising, they're still raising like five, six kids at home and they're making it work. But if you, if you as a lady make it a focal point to focus on your career and you neglect the family, that's where problems start to arise. And I think that, I think that when you reach that point, as a woman, you have to ask yourself the hard questions like, am I able to balance this out? Am I able to make it work? Am I able to raise my kids and keep a nice household at home? If you foresee yourself hiring babysitters or always sending the kids to the grandparents or to your your in-laws, et cetera, then that's when you have to be like, all right, I may just have to bite the bullet and sacrifice what I perceive to be a dream and focus on what is essential, which is having a a wonderful home and having a good environment for the children and raising my children. 
Right. And I think it's interesting too, because a lot of women are actually happier at home. You know, once mm-hmm. they have children, they tend to say that they're miserable. Like once that baby comes and they, they get separated from the child, they're, they're miserable. They want to be by the baby. Um, right. And so it's very interesting to see how all of that works. And it's, it's interesting as well, because you know, people say that being a stay-at-home mom isn't a job, you know, it's not a real job. And yet I would be hiring and paying somebody to do everything that I do if I were to go to work. You know, if I wasn't taking care of it, I would hire somebody else to take care of it, whether it was like a nanny or a chef or a whatever. And even my own mother, you know, growing up, she has like a PhD and she has all of those things. And she was working in labs and, and, she really enjoyed her work. She loved it. But once my sister and I came into the picture, she gave all of it up to raise us because she didn't want other people raising her children. She wanted to make sure that she instilled good values in us and the Catholic faith and, you know, raising us to be well-rounded people. And she didn't trust anybody else to do that because honestly, that is the mother's role, you know, and the father's role, but the mother's role is to shape people for society And Mm -hmm. I think a big reason as to why we have so many problems, you know, so many depressed people is because a, the school system, because the school system, I'm going to be honest, really sucks, especially in Illinois. It's terrible. I don't know if it sucks where you're at, but it's bad here. Um, And so kids are getting depressed earlier and earlier in childhood. I think the Mm -hmm. earliest age now is like eight, seven or eight years old is the depression rate. I know tons of, you know, tons of children who are struggling with anxiety because they're so young, they're so young and impressionable and they don't have a safe space. And then because they're around peers, you know, groups of their own age, they don't learn how to interact with adults properly. And I think we really have to start bringing back integrating all age groups, not just, you know, sectioning them off like eighth graders go here, seventh graders go here. Um, Yeah. You know, it's just very, I know this is off topic, but it's just something that I've noticed. And it's something that my mom definitely wanted my sister and I to avoid is Mm -hmm. all of the pressures from society at such a young age. And so she let us have a childhood, you know, she would do little schoolings with us here and there, but it wasn't until we were probably uh, like at least four or five that she actually started integrating more schooling into our our lives because she wanted us to go outside and have fun and play with frogs and she would teach us stuff, you know, but that's why I'm a hands-on learner now. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's just, it's just very interesting. And personally for me, like I run my own ministry and stuff like that, but I Mm -hmm. set it up to a way where if I do end up getting married in the next few years and have kids and things like that, I can still do my ministry and raise my kids because I work for myself. You know, um, not everybody has that option, but I do think it's doable. The, um, the amount of people who I've seen who are like, oh, well, we just can't afford, you know, homeschooling. And I'm like, well, let's break that down for a second. You know, both of you work outside the home and this is a specific family. She hired four tutors to be able to tutor one kid because he was struggling in school. They had basically one guy come in like to cook meals for them twice a week and then they ordered takeout and I'm like if we add all of this up compared to how much it would cost to homeschool for you to be a stay-at-home mom and take care of these things yourself the cost is way lower to homeschool Mm -hmm. than it is to send your kids to school and outsource the home it's just interesting how that works but once you put that perspective into their their minds they're like oh, I didn't realize that because I was working, I was spending all this money on these things. You know, they can't make that the um, connection, I guess, so to speak. But yeah, go ahead. Like, I would say that the difference between someone that outsources everything that they're meant to do and compared to a family that is hands-on and ever-present in their children, it's night and day. So without trying to smear the previous peers that I was at before switching over to the Latin math, a lot of the families, because they were they were working outside, they would do what you just said in terms of hiring or or sending their kids off to the in-laws or or even getting a babysitter. And whenever they're at home, and again, when you have children that are naturally children, which is like, they get rowdy a lot of times. 
okay, the, the immediate solution to that is give them technology, which I don't think is a very good thing. If you're giving your kid at like five years old an iPad or an iPhone in some cases, it takes away the natural inclination to want to learn and be outside because now they're glued to, you know, playing Baby Shark on their phone or playing playing with all these apps instead of having an actual childhood. Whereas if you have a family that's all balanced out, as in like mom is at home and dad's also at home, huge thing too is like dad has to be present. Like the children are much more happier. They're much more fulfilled. And yes, no family's perfect, but you know that it's a healthy family because the kids are are going into their natural inclinations of being outside and they know who to turn to because they know that there's a safe space at home. Whereas the kids that you and I see today in general that are just glued to their phones or some, glued to some form of technology and they're depressed and antsy because they just don't know who to turn to and they somehow have to look at other figures. That's why like there's a lot of kids that would say, oh, I look up to insert athlete because okay mom and dad aren't at home and I think that that's something that people have to look into if they were asking questions such as why doesn't my kid look up to me why doesn't my kid trust me then they have to take a like parents specifically have to take a long hard look at how they raise their kids if they're not present at home especially when it comes to mom and dad then kids are going to look elsewhere and that's how we have all these problems today right and I, I like how you brought up the iPad thing, you know, because I think Generation Z, you know, the Zoomers, mm-hmm. so to speak, are known to be the iPad babies. Um, oh, yeah. But also, I think the COVID babies, you know, I don't know if oh, that's yeah. really a generation, but they're definitely iPad babies now because of the fact that the parents, when the kids came home, didn't know what to do with them. They're like, yeah. well, we can't send you to school. It almost like forced family time. And parents, a lot of them ended up homeschooling their kids there, like, uh, like from then on, because of the fact that they saw the increase in their family life and, and they felt fulfilled when their family was together and they hadn't felt that before. And so to them, they were like, we don't want to give this up. And so they continued to, um, to, to homeschool their kids, even after COVID was over. And it was interesting to me how that kind of kickstarted this homeschooling you know, uh, I don't want to call it an epidemic because it's not an epidemic, but, you know, a lot of people started homeschooling their kids and continuing Mm -hmm. to do that. And I was just like, maybe that was like the kick that some families needed. They, they needed to be forced to, to be together for, for a while and and to figure things out. And in a way that kind of, that's what it happened, that that's what worked out. But, um, I guess kind of bringing it back into the, the topic because I love talking about this stuff. It's so interesting to discuss. Oh yeah. Um, we have a couple like two last questions to go over. And I guess one of the main ones that I get from women a lot is how do we let men know that we're interested in them without being like super feministy and like controlling? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh well from a man's perspective, we're we're not we're not creatures of intuition. I will say that because there's a lot of times where in previous relationships or previous experiences where a woman would later say things like, oh, I saw you more than just a friend or, well, I was giving hints. Well, first off, again, I I wouldn't get a hint and, and I wouldn't have the intuition to know that you're interested. So on the guy side, all I would do is like, if I see like a very attractive woman, I would just go up and be like, hi, how's it going? I'm Daniel. And start the conversation from there. If a lady is interested, then, well, on the feminine side, you could display in your body language. If I see like a lady that I'm talking to, her body language is facing away or like she's doing signs of distress. And it's like, okay, best to, best to just end the conversation or keep it at a level of comfort if if you're genuinely interested in the guy then show it don't just give hints like hint hint wink wink but if you show that you're present your body language is open and that you're not playing hard to get and just being open and feeling comfortable then that's a sign that okay a level-headed man will see that and would want to 
be his masculine self by being super confident and eventually asking for the number and perhaps out on a coffee date. But if a girl tries to flip it around and be the first one to approach, yes, it validates our egos as guys, but at the same time, deep down behind the scenes, like, uh, kind of feels weird if a girl were to ask me out and ask and act super alpha, so to speak. And it actually is a turnoff for us if we're not the ones that are doing the approaching and talking. But on the flip side of things, if if you're playing hot and cold or you're being passive aggressive or your body language is showing that you're not interested, then at face value, a guy is not going to pursue you. And then it's amusing how every so often they get a message from a girl that's like, well, I was interested in him, but I was playing hard to get. Why didn't why didn't he like continue to persist? And I was like, well, okay, at face value, a level-headed man is going to see what you're displaying. And if it's obviously not of interest, then they're not going to pursue it. And I think that it's something that that women have to see from that perspective is that we don't get hints. If you are to push back, so to speak, or say things that are like, okay, I'm obviously not interested, then we're not going to pursue. Right. And I think it's interesting too, because the woman, I also think shouldn't have to pursue the man, you know, that's not our place to begin with. And you could definitely, you know, I feel like if you've been friends with a guy for a while or something and you're just friends or something, you could just be like, Hey, I actually really like you. Like that's different. But if you're looking specifically for a partner and something, and you've never met them before type thing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you've had a couple acquaintances. It's definitely the man's place to pursue the woman and, and to be more forward with her and be like, Hey, I really like you. Would you like to go on a date with me? Um, mm-hmm. I almost view it almost as a red flag. If in the man, if the woman has to ask the man out due to the fact that, you know, if he was truly interested in her, if he was actually committed to her, he would make the commitment to, or not the commitment, but like the, he, he would make the, mm, the effort. The, yes. The effort. Yeah to actually go up and like ask her out and pursue her um, because we shouldn't have to do that. You know, I know there's some girls that feel comfortable doing that. I personally never felt comfortable doing that. Um, In my current relationship, we kind of had a little bit like confusion because he really liked me and I really liked him. And we told both of our friends like, oh my gosh, I really like him, you know, or her. (laughs) Um, But then when it came to each other, we were like, hey, like yeah what's going on anything you know and um it was just weird because we didn't really know how to navigate that because we both really liked each other but it was kind of complicated circumstances so we were like oh maybe maybe not actually or you know we were debating if we wanted to date because we didn't want to ruin our friendship and um well it ended up being amazing so we're fine but it, it can be confusing sometimes but he still took the initiative to like sit me down and be like hey you know, I really like you and I would like to go out on a date with you type thing. Um, even though I would, I probably could have done it and everything. I was waiting for him to do it because I'm like, that's the sign of like a true man and, and somebody who's ready to take the initiative and really uh, pursue you. And so that's something that I definitely noticed too, is I view it almost as a red flag if I have to ask the guy out. Um, especially if it's like clear that he's kind of like flirting and stuff like that, you know, cause yeah. I think it's the same way though, you know, with the women, you know, if they're kind of flirtatious or something like that, you know, and then you go to ask her out and she's like, no, I just view you as a friend. It's like, then why are you flirting? Yeah. I, I would say that I've experienced that and that that's why it's a red flag for me, at, at least on a personal level. And that's what I tell other guys too, that come and ask for dating advice or when it comes to women. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make the effort to embarrass any anybody on here out of respect for their dignity so there was a certain other catholic influencer that i took a liking to and you know i i always recommend it's best to look at your parish first or look at your surrounding environment before okay you look at a long distance deal so he and i had been interacting here and there and i was gonna make the effort to fly out and actually meet her and at least for me, I, I am a believer in the old school approach of 
don't ask over the don't ask over the phone don't ask over social media man up make the effort and ask her in person but then she more or less was playing hot and cold and then eventually just straight up ghosted me and i was like okay at face value as a man i take that as rejection in a nice or passive aggressive way however you want to say it and then eventually she started to try to attempt to interact with me and i was like hey this this is yeah it's confusing and then eventually i was doing a q a where someone had asked me like hey are you going out with a certain individual and then me being me i tend to be on the sarcastic side and i think that comes from being in the marines i was just like well i have no idea who that is so she took offense to it and then hit me up and i was like who is this because this was a different phone number okay and when we got talking she was just like well i think it's a huge misunderstanding which is another red flag by the way is if someone guy or girl attempts to gaslight you that's definitely a huge red flag and avoid at all costs and eventually after like certain questioning he kind of revealed that he was going through certain things in life and he had seen me as more than just a friend but that he was was wanting to basically address it but but on the flip side of things left me in the dark about it and that to me I took offense to it because I was just like okay why was I on the receiving end of this kind of treatment on top of okay now you're telling me that you were attempting to talk to me this whole time by giving all these hints. And to me, again, at face value, it's like, if you want to talk, you have my phone number, you have my social media, you could just reach out and be like, hey, can we talk? I know that certain things happen, but I I know that we have to clear up the air. And I think that if you're straightforward with it, guy or girl, then you wouldn't be giving hints, you wouldn't be gaslighting people, and you certainly wouldn't try to justify your behavior as a result of what you're going through. And that it helps to not waste time because let's just say if you're definitely interested in them as a guy, then by all means make the effort instead of like getting super flirtatious to the point where he is led on, so to speak. And then you're like, oh, I, I just see you as just a friend. It's like, okay, you just wasted a lot of time doing that. And that's not a good thing. And the same could be said for women too, where it's like, okay, if you're getting super flirty with a guy and just because it validates it validates your existence, but in reality, you're just doing it for attention, then that's really stringing somebody along. It's going to waste the guy's time. And then that's how you get all those guys that are very much into the red or black pill or focusing on bad examples on the red pill side of things, such as like Andrew Tate. Not that I have anything against like what he says, because I agree with a lot of what he says, but that's like a secular side of things that guys don't, don't pay heed to. And they end up, they end up going to the dark side of things when there are other good examples within the church that you can look at. Right. And I also think with that story and everything, uh, a big red flag is people who beat about beat around the bush. Like they're not oh, yeah. straightforward with you. I mean, mm-hmm. I would prefer somebody to be honest with me and be like, Hey, I don't see it working out with you, but you oh, know, yeah. I still view you as a friend versus being like super flirtatious on and off on and off. And not just that, but I almost view it as a red flag. If somebody cannot apologize for their behavior, if somebody oh, yeah. cannot take criticism and be like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I actually messed up. I didn't mean for it to go that far, but it's, you know, that is the sign of a true, true, um, person. If they can apologize for men and women, like learning oh, yeah. how to apologize properly is so, so important in any relationship, whether it's friendship or, um, a relationship. And that's something that I really wanted in my partner, you know, because, and that's what I have. And the thing though, is, is like being able to do conflict and resolve is just, you know, resolving conflict is just like so important because otherwise there's just going to be fights left and right. And, and everybody's just going to argue with each other. Um, but yeah, no, that's totally common these days too, is to get ghosted and stuff like that. And a lot of women will 
claim victim to that, but I honestly believe that a lot of women do it too. They'll flirt for fun because they're bored. And then the next thing, you know, not saying this is that specific person, but just in general, from what Mm -hmm. I've seen. And then the next thing they know, they're in a situation ship, so to speak. And now they're all of a sudden not wanting to be in it. So they ghost the person and you just, we've become very comfortable with playing with people's emotions because it's online, you know? Because we don't see the person in front of us. If I were to do that to somebody in person, like in front of me, I would probably be very uncomfortable. But because we can block people and hide behind a screen Mm -hmm. and we never have to see them, we almost have this false sense of confidence to mess with people's emotions and lives. Yeah, that's a huge red flag is when you bring someone along. Like I've heard numerous stories and again, it's happened with myself, but it's one of those you live and you learn situations. And I certainly don't look at women differently, even though this has happened a lot with me in in my personal life. But if they say something along the lines of, well, I just want to, it, it literally means, oh, I just want to keep you on a leash or, oh, hey, I just want to take the time so that we don't lose our friendship. That to me is a red flag because it's like, okay, you're you're pretty much viewing me as an alternative. And I would take offense to that because it's like, okay, so you more or less are implying that there's numerous men that are hovering over you. And that because of that, and because of the fact that that you love the attention, you're just gonna basically keep me in the back in the event that okay if it doesn't work out with these other men then okay I'll, I'll focus my attention onto you and that's a huge red flag right there it also goes as far as for men too where it's like if you hear that that it's best to avoid the guy at all costs too but it goes both ways really nowadays it really does and I've noticed it these days especially I've I don't know. I feel like a lot of women, they can play victim, you know, and Mm -hmm. get away with it. Whereas guys are kind of put up on this pedestal to be like the perfect, be perfect in, in almost everything, you know, don't show emotion, don't do this, you know, ask the girl out, be this and be that. But then women also need to step up and be better due to the fact that we, in a way, almost can control men, you know, and society. If we shape up and we're like, we want to be, um, we want to be treated right and we won't accept anything but, you know, uh, chivalry and respect and things like that, then men will have to shape up if they want to have a wife. They'll have to be chivalrous and they'll have to give her respect and they'll have to do those things. And it's almost like this cycle where when women are like, I want this and they have standards and they don't sleep with men and they don't do all these things, men then all of a sudden have to shape up and become real men with authentic masculinity in -hmm. order to have a wife and kids one day. Um, And and it's just interesting to me how, how we do actually hold that power and yet we still play the victims and like, oh no, you know, I mean, there's definitely some situations where that is true, but, um, it's just something I see in society all, all the time today. And I guess that kind of brings us to like our last question, which is kind of like an interesting one, I personally find. If you found what to seemed, seemed to be like the perfect girl, but then she said one thing, and that was a deal breaker for you, what was the one thing? I wouldn't say that it's a one thing, but it was just habits or just certain, certain traits that she displayed. And and I would say, again, what we had been talking about earlier with that certain individual, it was just the, the pattern of behavior that she displayed in terms of being hot and cold and then saying, saying things that implied that, oh, I'm just bringing you along mm. and and I don't want to lose insert, insert like bad cop-out excuse. So it's not, if it was one thing, it's certainly in a situation where if they were to say things such as I'm Catholic, but I'm not practicing or anything like that, nor do I want to make the effort to, I would just walk at that point, maybe put up with it if he shows signs, but I would walk from that relationship. However, with the most recent situationship, if you want to call it that way, it was a pattern of behavior where I was like, okay, it's not worth it to stick around because 
it's only five that he's going to waste my time. Right. No, for sure. I know for me, especially if it came to certain things these days, I've noticed that just because somebody calls themselves Catholic doesn't mean they believe in the Catholic doctrines or dogmas. And so mm-hmm. even though I find people who are Catholic or something, I still had to go through like, okay, well, are you pro-life? Are you, you know, anti-contraception, yeah. you know, all those things. And the biggest one was that a lot of Catholic men were not pro-life. It literally yeah. shocked me so much to find out that they would want to use contraception in marriage and all these things. And I'm like, are you and I don't know if you've experienced that. I mean, just in like the Catholic guy circle, but as a woman, I've experienced that multiple times in um, not the traditional Catholic guy circles. Of course, it was more like, right. you know, the modern Catholic guy circles, but it's still something that shocked me because I'm like, how can you call yourself a Catholic and not know any of the teachings or what it means to actually be Catholic? Um, it's just very uh, interesting to me. But then again, only seven, like, of people believe in the true presence, 70% don't. So, I mean, is it really that shocking, I guess? Yeah, I mean, there's a saying that I live by, likes Arandi, likes Credendi, how you worship is how you live. And the the circle of friends that I hang out, it's, it's night and day. So a lot of my friends nowadays tend to be, a majority of them are men, like 99% of them. And just about every one of them either attend what the Eastern rites be, be a Byzantine or Chaldean or are members of my parish within the traditional Latin mass community. And I tend to stick around with those guys more because they show, they show signs of, I want to improve on my life. I want to step up my game every single day of the week. I want to frequent the sacraments as much as possible, put in the effort to be a part of the parish life. And there's a couple of times when I'd go to parties of certain Catholic organizations or ISIS ministries and the difference is night and day. Like a lot of the guys within my traditional Latin mass circle group tend to be on the younger side of things, or they actually are where I want to be, where they're married, they have kids, and they give some of the best examples. And then I would go to what some people would call secular Catholic organizations or events where it feels as if the guys are deadbeats because you have guys that are in young adult circles when they're really not supposed to be and you're just like what are you doing with your life man and it's amusing that the young adult bracket that's considered within like the mainstream side of the catholic church and i don't want to sound like super systematic but when you say things that says okay young adult the young adult program is for people from 18 to 39 years old that's a huge red flag right there because now you have guys that are prolonging mm-hmm. what they consider to be young adulthood and they're not going to make the effort to grow and it's the same thing with women too it's like i've seen women over there that were living as if they were still in college and they're approaching their late 30s and it's like i could tell you right now as a guy is that guys tend to look at women that are maybe a year older or the same age or younger and it's a matter of youth and fertility on the practical side of things and also again it plays into appearance too because now the older you are depending on how you live your life the more it's it takes the effort to make the appearance that you're on the younger side as in like okay for women they tend to have excessive makeup or or starting to do things that are probably not good for their health be it like Botox or or whatever treatments that there are out there to make them look younger. But the reality is that if both guys and girls within that bracket don't step up their game, as in like they don't look to actual examples that are already within their circle, that's going to be a major problem. And I think that a lot of guys that are within that realm, it's because they were unable to take on prolonging like young adulthood instead of instead of having that epiphany of I need to shape up right now to be the best man and ideal husband material that a woman would look at and it's the same with women too and I think that when you prolong that sort of youth so to speak you have that forever young mindset but the reality is that you can't be forever young and that with each passing year, you're going to gain wisdom and experience, both the bad and the good. 
And it's best to apply it instead of just having this sort of circle jerk that's been going on. And then you also have questions like, oh, where have all the real men gone? Where have all the real women gone? And the truth is that you should ask yourself, what am I doing to become the ideal woman or ideal man that someone would pay attention attention to and want to marry? You can't live perpetually in this sort of youth phase where you're playing beer pong and and you're somehow like not living up to what you're meant to be. No, I totally know what you're saying too. I've been to a lot of young adult groups where some of the guys are well into their thirties and I'm like, this oh, yeah. is not a young adult group. And um, it's just, it's crazy because I also see like guys in their thirties or forties go for women who are like 19, 20, you know, and it's just, it's not right. You know, I feel yeah. like by then, if you don't have your life figured out, you know, in a certain sense, like, I'm not saying that like, oh, you can't get married when you're in your like forties or fifties or whatever. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, but I am saying that it can be somewhat of a red flag. I mean, why aren't you married yet? It could just be the case of, oh, you haven't found the one, but are you just a boy still, or are you just a girl? You know, have you not grown out of that immature phase and that's why you're not married? Or is it because you don't want to settle down? Is it, you know, it's very interesting and there's tons of different, you know, scenarios. So I can't just be like, oh, it's this and it's that, but I've definitely experienced that in my lifetime. And, um, it's just, it's just interesting. It's, it's very interesting to witness, but no, but yeah. So thank you so much for coming on here, Daniel, and doing this with me. I really appreciate your expertise and you coming on and talking about what Catholic men look for in Catholic women. Yeah, I really appreciate being on here. I know like we've crossed paths numerous times, but we never really sat down to have a conversation like this. So I really appreciate being able to come on to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And where can my listeners uh, follow you if you're on anything else? I'm really just on Instagram. I know that eventually I'm going to do a subscription and it's mainly for mentorship. It's not for like exclusive content, but it's definitely for the people out there that need that. Like I acknowledge that. So on Instagram, you could just go to at TradCatMen and that's where I'm at most of the time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. We'll have to have you back on in the future. Yeah, I definitely look forward to that. Awesome. Thank you so much. And with all of that being said, I hope this podcast helped any of you guys. And I will talk to you guys in the next podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to A Catholic's Perspective with me, The Religious Hippie. Make sure to visit my official website at thereligioushippie.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter to keep up to date with my latest news and offerings. You can also find me on virtually any social media site as The Religious Hippie. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and Anthony Smith and is distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure and visit the official website for Metacortex Publishing at metacortexpublishing.com or find us on social media for other unique content.